Hey guys. Hey. Hey Ryan. Hey Jenny, who do we have on the podcast tonight? It's very exciting. We've got Buster Hudson back again. Hey. That's hey. our first um like uh 2x combo guest who came back with no interruptions. <laughs> I didn't run away screaming the last time. That's right. Yeah. Who was that president who had a split term? Um there's a B. 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 Rutherford B. Hayes? No, that's not it. No. Oh, wait. Uh, Martin Van Buren. Oh. Uh, yeah. So you are the first non-Martin Van Buren. I have consecutive terms. Yeah. Woo. Other than me and Jenny, of course. Right. Well, we actually yeah. have the longest consecutive run of being on the podcast. We're tied for first. Mm-hmm. I'm glad yeah. there are no term limits here. Yeah, we transcend term limits. <laughs> Until they install the 19th Amendment of Clash of the Titans, a <laughs> podcast about playing a bunch of text adventure computer games to which you are now listening. And uh, am I right about what game we were going to play tonight for Spooky Ween? Um, yes, I don't even remember the name, but I know that I've avoided playing it even though that link has been sitting there tantalizing me, Ooh. I knew that we were going to play it, and I said, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I'm fresh and it's going to be a new experience for me, so I'm ready. Okay. Oh, Jenny, you, like, tested this, right? So you Yeah, I, I played this thing, like, five times. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the name of the game is An Evening at the Ransom Wooding Dean Museum House. And, uh, you should win Azizi for best titles. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can you enroll me in the Ryan Veter School for naming interactive fiction games? Uh, you, I can... You've got nowhere to go but up, honey. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. To, sorry Instead to of medicine tactic variable, medicine tactic variable, try a name that is unique. <laughs> Oh, yeah, foo-foo. I mean, I don't know. I still like it, which is probably why I need some, some schooling here. <laughs> you have to be re-educated. I need to, I need to go to the Ryan. You need to have your opinions for forcibly removed. Oh, that's dark. <laughs> Just enroll me in the next semester. If you have a scholarship available, I will apply for that as well. Um, I think that, like, because my... My concern with titles is always to make them uh, not the title of something else, so that <laughs> if you uh, are trying to Google it, so then you, you get it, my yeah. thing and not something else. And that sometimes involves, or it sometimes entails the title being ridiculously long. Um, like the other game I released this year was Reference and Representation, colon, An Approach to First Order Semantics. Which is stupidly long, partly as a joke, but um, I, a I very don't know effective if it's, one. It's probably uh, effective, and everyone loves it. But um, I worry that uh, names that are too long will start to be a problem, and then instead of the rat guy, I'll be the long titles guy, and they'll say, "What's your next game, Ryan?" The text of 
what was the fountainhead? <laughs> what was it? The fountain. Yeah, the com- Atlas Shrugged. Oh, Atlas Shrugged is what it was. Shrugged. There was an MIT Mystery Hunt team where their team name was the entire text of Atlas, Atlas Shrugged. Shrugged. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That was pretty good. Was I pretty assume good. they were allowed to call in and say, this is the entire text of Atlas Shrugged. No. They had to call in no? and say, this is the team whose name is the name entire is text the... of Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> <laughs> Could they come in the next year and be like, we're the team formerly known as the entire text of <laughs> Atlas well, Shrugged? They won, and their uh, team name as the organizers of the next year's hunt was Alice Shrugged, because it was an Alice in Wonderland-themed hunt. Oh. Uh, so it wasn't that clever, but it was kind of clever. That was kind of clever. Oh. Uh, B-. See, the other thing with long titles, though, is the name of the game that you just mentioned, like I've already forgotten it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's what? Reference and representation, uh, something, something semantics. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to have to call it like that Ryan Veter game that was about the caveman. Yep. You know, I, um, I, I can't have an opinion about that title because you asked me uh, my opinion about what the title should be earlier and i told you to do something entirely different than that and then you just completely ignored my advice oh that's true well i didn't completely ignore it i considered it um okay but we had a good discussion about what the title should be yeah and i just had uh, a lot of feelings and i ended up going with um well the thing i got with anyway uh this game we actually talked about this game before it was written on a previous clash of the typings podcast so oh, was alert- that the one? Well, I didn't want to tell everyone. Oh, I'm, uh, was that the... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't know, should I just get started? Let's sure. get started. Okay. I'm going to let you drive. Okay. I might need, I might, like, phone Don't call friend. him. Sorry, it's on my screen. Oh, it is uh, on my Buster. Screen. Buster. <laughs> I'm just not going to talk for the next two hours. Okay. Hi, Jenny. Finally. Hi, Buster. <laughs> Here we go. The pendulum of the grandfather clock is motionless. Its hands are stuck, pointing at some arbitrary point in the distant past. Rain pounds on the roof and the windows, a current of damp air issues from beneath the front door. Nestled at the foot of the grandfather clock, where guests never get a chance to look, is a digital clock radio. The display flat reads 458, then 459. Lightning flashes. The lights flicker and thunder shakes the house. 459. Five o'clock. Quitting time. An evening at the Ransom Woodingdean Museum House. A Chambers Family Entertainment by Ryan Veter. Release one. Serial number 160509. Inform seven. Build 6L38. I6 slash V6.33 lib 6 twelfths N. Foyer. 
The first sight greeting guests to the Ransom Dean Museum House is its magnificent front stair, its mahogany steps trimmed with plush red carpet, descending into a foyer awash in red wallpaper, where you rise to greet them with a smile in your period-appropriate red dress. This week, there have been a total of three guests. The bench where you spend your afternoons sits between the front of the, or the foot of the stairs and the grandfather clock. A marble end table stands beneath, behind the bench out of the reach of the guests. Wide portals lead north to the parlor and south to the study. The front door to the west is closed. After you've welcomed your guests, collected the admittance fees, and done the introductory bits about the house and the grandfather clock, tours are supposed to move on to the parlor. Um, it says uh, in the uh, sidebar here, why not open rainy mood in another tab? That's my rainy mood impression. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay, I this is you were actually me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Ryan, um, this is kind of hard. Uh, well, let's examine me. I know it is. A t- it's, it's tough already. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what? Let me try to remember all that. Um, yeah, so I know I'm wearing a authentic period red dress, which is amazing. Uh, but let's examine me. You are Wooding Dean House Hostess Karen Chambers. While you're on the clock, you wear a dress that's supposed to look like the one worn by Lillian Wooding Dean. Uh, inventory? Let's see. You are carrying nothing and wearing a red dress. Okay. Um, Do you want to remind us of some of the nouns? I think there was a clock. There was a grandfather clock, and there was also a clock radio. Um, there is a marble end table. There's a bench, which I forget if I ever implemented the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sit on the bench. Sit on bench. And find out. You get onto the bench. Wow. Hey, nice. hey. Is she going to have a Renlaw moment? Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> That's no, too bad. Okay. Um, a guy, uh, something Strever, Strever, good old Strever, Streven Dan, I forget what his first name is, uh, wrote a review, David Strever is his name, wrote a re- review of this game just a couple days ago, and he noted uh, that like his only qualm with the game was that this character wasn't as fleshed out as he would have liked. So I should have had a Redlaw oh. moment where you think back oh, yeah. to when you were in high school. And you saw someone fall off the jungle gym, and you didn't run over to help. You just watched them flail around on their back. Why aren't you helping, Jenny? <laughs> Why aren't you helping? Uh, I'll tell you about my mother. <laughs> um, let's examine the grandfather clock. Ransom Woodingdean's great clock may never chime again. There are too many little complexities standing in the way of its repair. Among these is the pendulum, weighted with cylinders of mercury. Just opening the case could prove toxic. The tour's script uses the presence of mercury, its uses and risks, to form a segue to the articles on the marble table. Tucked behind the grandfather clock is the clock radio. Uh, can you take the clock radio? It's useless when it's not plugged in. Oh. Uh, Let's examine the clock radio. 
It's a Sony Dream Machine, a cube of pearly white plastic and smooth corners. The glowing red numbers indicate that there will be no more tours today. Huh. Is this a real clock radio, Ryan? Yeah, I can't figure out whether I actually had this clock radio if I just uh, knew about it. I mean, if you look up Sony Dream Machine, uh, you'll see models of radios that look familiar to me. But I I don't have perfect recall of all of the clock radios I've owned in my life. <laughs> you I don't? A, I had a Crayola brand one. That was my first clock, and it Ooh. was Crayola brand, and it was bright colors, and I put a Band-Aid on it for some reason. And then for years afterward, I would always put a Band-Aid on whatever clock I was using as my alarm huh. clock. Yeah. Man. Someone is selling a white Sony Dream Machine for $100 on eBay. There you go. Mint in box. Um, tell you what, if you can figure out what year this game takes place in, <laughs> you win a prize. When was the Dream Machine? Uh, I think they still make... We're talking a lot about a clock radio. We uh, really are. We sure are. <laughs> uh, I, I think that they still make um, clock radios that are called dream machines, but they don't look like what's described here. So uh, while you guys are Google image searching Sony dream machine... <laughs> well, let's go... Let's just walk around. Let's go north. Okay. First getting off the bench. Oh, yeah. Parlor. The foyer's red gives way to green. Green carpet, green floral wallpaper, and long green couches. The grand piano is black. Tall windows and the largest mirror you've ever seen serve to make this room seem larger than it really is, as does the velvet rope delineating the ten square feet accessible to guests. The foyer is south. Huh. Let's examine the piano. This 1889 Steinway was one of the first grand pianos in the area. The museum keeps it in tune and professionals play it, play on it at special events, but guests and staff are forbidden from touching it. Can we Touch play piano. Okay, you know what's going on. <laughs> the shining black surface feels cold. Cold nice. like a broken promise. <gasps> Less nice. Uh, yeah, let's try playing the piano. Okay. You press gently on the keys, and six mournful notes echo through the house. I want my MTV. <laughs> Is that part of it? Yeah, that's what it says. Oh, wow, okay. I want my MTV. Are you taking, I'm taking notes? notes? Okay. Um, let's go south alright and was there an east from here um the the door to the west is the front door is the front door Yeah. the east end of the room is is the stairs that go up and there's also the room to the south um let's try going outside let's go west feel like a dungeon master uh first opening the front door the storm blows in on you and almost gets the Lillian Wooding Dean dress wet. Then you remember no. you have to change back into your own clothes before you leave. Oh, now I have an objective. Phew. Uh, let's go <laughs> south. Okay. Study. 
Ransom Whittington's chair, his desk, and his safe are all displayed here, protected from the modern world by a velvet rope. Wide windows in the south and west walls look out over the city. A curious framed artwork is hanged in a position where guests can see it up close. The foyer is north. The dining room is east. Um, let's examine the artwork. An intricate teardrop-shaped design, like a meticulously crocheted lace necklace, was in fact woven by Lillian Woodingdean, entirely from human hair. Visitors never fail to goggle at this re- revelation, and even you have not yet gotten over how bizarre the artifact is. <laughs> hmm. Uh, let's go east. Dining room. They just had a lot of hair back in the day. They had too much hair. They had exactly mm-hmm. as much hair as we do. <laughs> Temporal <laughs> relativists. Um, the dinner there's, table. I mean, yes. There's a lot more of us in the world now. So there's less hair to go around? So there's more hair total. There would be more hair total. Okay. Yeah. You got me there. <laughs> uh, the the dining room. This is the dining room. The dinner table seats only four, but it supports as many pieces of the Wooding Dean's china as could be made to fit on its surface, more a show of force than a sensible table setting. A single place card sits on the plate at the head of the table. The small painting hanging above it all may or may not depict Lillian Wooding Dean. The south windows afford a beautiful view of the garden, or they will when the weather clears up. The study is west, and the narrow passage leads north into the kitchen. The door to the east sticks out like a sore thumb. It leads to the office. It occurs to you that you forgot to lock the front door. Oh, no! <gasps> um, I want to examine the painting. Mm-hmm. A woman in a red dress, much like the one you wear while giving tours, turns her head demurely toward the viewer. According to the donator, Mrs. Whittingdean sat for this portrait sometime in the 1860s, but there is nothing to substantiate this claim. There are no documented images of Lillian to which it could be compared, and the subject's delicately angled features could be any young models. Examine the place card. In plain and unVictorian letters, the card reads, Please do not touch. The rain comes down harder for a second, threatening to crack a window. Let's go. Let's go lock the front door. Let's go west, west and then north. north. Yep. And then lock the door. Yep. The door is open. <laughs> you have to close the door. Let's close the door. And then lock the door. I'm just not a good uh, caretaker <laughs> of this museum. <laughs> <laughs> is this your first day? Uh, you this turn. Is... My first job. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you turn the knob, locking the front door. Phew. Phew. Although apparently I memorized the script very quickly. Oh, yeah, there's a script. Oh, wait. But not in the inventory. Yeah, no, no it's just you have, have to memorize it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's go south and then east and then north to the kitchen. Okay, kitchen. The kitchen is the one room that underwent major alterations before this house became a museum. Great care has been taken to return it to its original humble state. The bare wood floor, cast iron stove, and rustic pie cabinet look like they belong in a log cabin. The low wooden table, on the other hand, looks like it belongs in a one-room schoolhouse. A tiny window provides a view of very little. 
A narrow passage leads south to the dining room, and even narrower staircase leads to the second floor. <laughs> I like how the window is like, and it's showing very little. <laughs> um, let's go up. Okay. Up the servant stair. Uh, back stair. Besides being uncomfortably narrow, the stairs are so steep that they probably violate modern building codes. At the bottom is the kitchen, at the top is the servant's bedroom. Uh, so do I go up again to go to the servant's bedroom? If you want. Uh, yeah. Okay. Servant's quarters. This cramped space is almost more of a tunnel than a room. The tour spiel makes much out of how bare the servant's quarters are, but of course it contains as much as the curator wants to put inside. A low bed, a rough wooden dresser, and a velvet rope fencing everything off from the guests. The small room is made even smaller by the sharp downward slant of the roof on the south end. A narrow stairway leads down. The rest of the bedrooms are north. Uh, north. Okay. Hallway. In contrast to the grandeur of the foyer at the bottom of the stairs, this hallway has nothing opulent or even noteworthy to recommend it. The master bedroom is north. The children's bedroom is west. The servant's bedroom is south. A velvet rope blocks off a nook to the northeast. Oh, I'm going to that nook. Oh. Nook. The staircase to the... Oh, geez, I have to say this out loud. Stand by. <laughs> Stand by for pronunciation. Okay. Ulalin Dargunanus. Ulalindar Gunanus. The staircase to the cupola was mm. removed decades ago, reportedly because either the cupola or the staircase was deemed too dangerous to be used. Later, they installed a ladder consisting of several pink, beige, industrial looking bars mounted into the wall. Cold, damp air seeps down from the trapdoor above. The hallway is across the velvet rope to the southwest. Wow, I always thought it was Cupola. I thought it was Cupola, too. I guess well, we all you guys something. are a Cupola incorrect pronunciation. <laughs> 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 I opened that door wide. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Ten points for Ryan. Yep. I think that puts me ahead. Only slightly, though. <laughs> I better do my best. <laughs> um, all right, I'm guessing the trap door leads to the roof. I don't think I would have put my clothes on the roof. So let's go back southwest. Okay. And then I think the master was north? Yeah. Yeah, let's check that out. Okay, master bedroom. Ransom and Lillian Whittingdean shared an imposing but uncomfortable-looking bed, its wood-sided frame raising it high above the floor. Nearby is a fainting couch, a favorite of guests. At the north end of the room, between gauze-failed windows, is Lillian's vanity. Uh, did you implement faint? Can I try faint? Well, let's try it. You don't know how. Oh. Hmm. That's kind of true, actually. Do you guys know how? I wrote from life. Yeah. I'm kind of squeamish, so oh. I've never actually fainted, but I've gotten kind of close sometimes. Okay, so we would just need to describe like a medical procedure? Spider eyeballs. Um, <laughs> I, there's one, what was the game 
that you played um, where you were Afflicted? in the you were in the um, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, Afflicted. Afflicted. There, were, yes, I actually had to skip forward. <laughs> some oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> that was far yeah. none the glorious game we played. Good job, Doug. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good job, Doug. Hi, Doug. Hi, Doug. <laughs> Friend of the show. <laughs> Friend of the podcast. Uh, let's examine the vanity. Okay. Lillian sat at this table, looked into this mirror, and thought about what? She didn't have a job. She didn't have to cook or clean. Maybe all she had to think about were parties and dresses. Maybe she didn't think at all. On the vanity is an empty perfume bottle. I'm kind of getting horrible pyramid vibes, which might be why it was mentioned. But I, it does. I, I, it does feel like that. Like, oh, she's dressed like Lillian, and let's sit at the vanity and play with the perfume a little bit. Uh, examine the perfume. The thunder. The, the perfume isn't an artifact. It's a prop. The curator thought it would look good. A thunderclap comes out of nowhere, and your vision swims. Can okay. we wear the perfume? Yeah, uh, I think it's empty, guys. Oh no! Yeah, you can't wear that. But uh, you did take you it. Wear your perfume bottle on your head. Probably not. No, you can't. Uh, let's go south. Okay. And then there was a kids' bedroom somewhere. Uh, that's west. West. Yes. Okay. Children's bedroom. This was Genevieve Whittingdean's room, and then it was Evelyn's. It contains both a crib and a tiny child's bed, and inconsistently. An inconsistency you try not to draw attention to. Little remains of the girl's original childhood possessions and the carefully strewn array of toys beyond the velvet rope merely represents what they might have played with. A china doll, a rocking horse, a spinning top. The hallway is east. These are some very nicely described period authentic rooms here. Thank and you. And I can't seem to find, like, the... The back room or the staff room. The office. The office. Did Was that mentioned? Yeah, it was east from the dining room. I missed that. Let's go back to... So it's east. East. And then... Is there a main stair? Yeah, the main stair is down from the hallway. From the hallway. Oh, yeah. So let's go down. Okay. Landing. And then... The stairs oh. curl up and down from this landing, which functions as a sort of balcony overlooking the foyer below. Set against the east wall is a tall end table. Hmm. Examine the table. An original daguerreotype of Ransom Whittingdean stands on the table, bidding his visitors a tight-lipped farewell. A shallow drawer is set in the side. On the tall end table is a daguerreotype. That's not what it's supposed to... It's supposed to... It's supposed to say, don't mention the... You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, yeah. That's an automatically generated paragraph about the daguerreotype that shouldn't mm -hmm. be there because I already wrote a much cooler paragraph about the daguerreotype. Yeah, that's one uh, of the issues I have with i7 is just turning off all the automatic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I also, I didn't realize it was pronounced daguerreotype. I think it is. I always called it daguerreotype. Oh. Huh. I would go with daguerreotype because of dig 
Daguerre. Daguerre is the name of the guy, so. Which, of course, is French for the Gare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. I'm learning new things every day. <laughs> Just today, really. Just today. I didn't realize that I would be starting the Ryan Beter School for Interactive Fiction today, but here we are. <laughs> wow. Daguerre's first name was Louis-Jacques Monday. Monday? Three, three hyphenated words. M-A-N-D-E uh, acute. He had a triple hyphenated first name? Yes. Monday. Yes, he did. Oh, that's, that's impressive. That's pretty good. I know. I'm kind of jealous now. Yeah. Plus oh, he man. invented photography. Yeah. That, I mean, that's done, cool, Derek? too. I mean, that's a pretty good claim <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, let's go down. Okay. Now you're in the foyer. And south, mm-hmm. and then east, Yep. and then east. Okay. First opening the office door. Office. No Victorian splendor in here. The desk is an unholy mess. The locker is probably military surplus. The file cabinet takes up an area entirely disproportionate to its utility. The wallpaper is hideous. This area was put together with a view toward minimizing changes to the original architecture, and there's very little space between the back door to the east and the west door that leads to the rest of the house. There's no windows either, which is just as well, since this is where the hostesses have to change in and out of costume. Uh, So let's look at the... Was it the locker? Yeah. Examine the locker. Okie doke. The Lillian Whittingdean dress is stowed in this locker when not in use, and when it is, the hostess's street clothes hang here instead. The locker is closed. Open locker. The locker is empty. Your clothes are supposed to be in here. Where am I? Something yeah, creeps. Yeah, where are our clothes? Uh-oh. Somewhere else in the house. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think I can hear the creaking. Just a second. Wow. Well, this got atmospheric and spooky. Perfect for Halloween. Yeah. As long as there's no gore. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember any gore in this game. Well, Spoilers. Good. Spoilers. Yeah. I, th- I think you'll be okay. And if not, there's a fainting <laughs> couch. There is. There's not one in this office where I'm sitting, though. No, you'll have to like go upstairs to faint. If you hear a thump... <laughs> and then nothing coming from my end. Just you... wait a good five to ten minutes. Uh-huh. And then eventually I'll come to and, and we can resume. Should um you should get a fainting couch installed in your office. I should. I should. Although this is not something that I normally share, except now I'm sharing it on a podcast to all your listeners. <laughs> but it would certainly get a lot of questions. And then you'd probably have people who would, you know, think it would be funny to try and make it happen. Oh, oh. like bringing you disembodied body parts? I could Spider I could eyeballs. See. Spider eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, I have a few jokesters in my office, so... Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them to try. You could, um... You wouldn't have to call it a fainting couch. This Could, uh, is my man chair. My man yeah, chair. Yeah, call it a man chair. <laughs> it's my manly with a, man chair. Uh, <laughs> this is where I skin all on of only one feet. side because I'm so yeah. manly. Never mind that it's crushed velvet with lace. <laughs> <laughs> it's manly lace. 
It's super manly lace. Um, all right, so now I guess we're on a mission to find my clothes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a desk in here? Yeah. Yeah, let's examine the desk. When one of the associated museums got new desks, the Whittingdean House got this hand-me-down. On the aluminum desk are some paperwork, some candy wrappers, and a postcard. Oh, I ate all the candy already. I know. It's awful. Awful. Hope we were good. Can we examine the candy wrappers? Your supervisor loves Snickers bars, but when you offered her one, she took offense somehow. Huh. That's me, characterization. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate my past self when I eat things too quickly or uh, leave the wrappers around, and then I'm oh, like, damn yeah. it, you didn't enjoy that. Yep, yep. That was me when I smoked. I would look down and I would have the butt of a cigarette. I'd be like, oh, um, I wasn't paying attention. Now I need to smoke another cigarette. I did the same exact thing. Smoking is bad, kids. Smoking is bad. Don't ever smoke. Don't ever smoke. I but do yes, the same do thing with too. donuts, but I can only re- recommend that everybody <laughs> eat donuts. Oh, yeah. Donuts are delicious. Yeah. So if just you because... find that you've eaten them... <laughs> If that happens get another too one. often, then I guess maybe there's something you want to examine. But yeah. uh, being sad that there aren't more donuts is totally natural and fine. I'm, you know how, I'm trying. I'm trying to formulate a a joke about holes, like having holes in your memory because donuts have holes, Ooh. but it's really, it's really not coming together. Uh, there was a uh, Krispy Kreme right across Ooh. the street from my old job. Oh my god. And it was dangerous. And oh yeah. They had a sign that would flick on whenever a new batch comes out. <laughs> so it's like it would flick on and it'd be like fresh warm donuts. Like And all Here's the heads in the signal. office would flip to the side at the same time. Oh. And we'd all be like, Oh, I'm gonna take a quick smoke break. That's it. A smoke mm. break. And mm. then Yeah, I'm run not over there. Twenty four donuts right now. <laughs> And then you'd go get it, and you'd be like, okay, that's it. I'm done. And then, like, two hours later, the sign would flick on again, and you're like... Oh, no. Guys, guys. Uh Uh-huh. This interruption with the banging noise caused us Uh to entirely lose track of the thread of the story and also ruined the exquisite creepiness of the sentence, something creaks somewhere else in the house. Yeah. That now you guys really are creepy. yapping about donuts. Donuts are really good. Shut creepy up, sentence, up Donuts are Jenny. really good. Shut up, Okay. Hot jazz. <laughs> can I reference, like, past podcasts? Uh, I call do back? It. Yeah, I guess we can do that. Yeah. It means you have to listen to all the podcast listeners. Yeah, if you want to get all the cool references to hot jazz. <laughs> <laughs> um let's can i go out the back door and run away screaming uh let's open the back door uh, because that would east, be true to life first opening yeah, the back east. door you look out into the storm as the cold wind paws at your arms and neck your keys are in your jacket pocket <gasps> oh so i can't even get my car and drive away nope 
now. Can I call an Uber? Or do I not have my phone? No, I don't have my phone. Rats. Um, I'll find you again that uh, there was a, a white Sony dream machine and a reference to, um, what's that song called? Money for Nothing? Money for Nothing. Money for Nothing. Yeah, so you probably can't call an Uber is what I'm what I'm getting at. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the dream machine could be, like, just leftover. That's true. There's more indications uh, of what year it is in this game. But you have to find them yourself. I have to find them. Let's uh, examine the postcard. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's a photo of the Great Pyramid of Giza, battered and broken by the millennia. The other side reads, in cramped but tiny script, Karen... Sorry, we got here a whole week ago, and I only got a chance to write just today. We've been so busy, dot, dot, dot. Lots of red tape to jump through, and certain people want to make it tough for certain other people to get anything done. But big opportunities coming up soon, hopefully, trying to restrain my expectations. We'll tell you more soon. Running out of postcard. Love, Anne. May 27, 85. Oh. Well, that's a pretty big hint. There you go. And I got the reference to Horrible Pyramid now. Yeah, that's I Anne Chambers. The character's name is Chambers. Yeah. Chambers. Yeah, so you're Karen yep. Chambers. I'm Karen Chambers. Oh, it's all coming together now. <laughs> it's like that moment when you figure something out when you're watching a show and like the plot makes sense and you have the wave of relief just wash mm. over you. You're welcome. But <laughs> But the suspense is still there because there's Clearly, something is going on, and they Your took my clothes. Your clothes is gone. Yeah. There's a clothes snatcher in the house. Yeah, one of those yep. goblins. Um, was there anything yeah. else on the desk? Um, paperwork. Let's examine the paperwork, because I'm boring like that. Very little of this belongs to you. The papers you can't identify are volunteer schedules and grant applications. The rest is above your pay grade. There's probably a vast conspiracy, but it's above your pay grade. <laughs> uh, let's go. Was there anything else in the office? Um, yeah, there's a file cabinet. Oh, let's examine the file cabinet. Okay. Yeah, maybe someone just filed your clothes under C for clothes. <laughs> yeah. Besides being useless, it doesn't match the desk. Ugh. Useless. Let's open it. None of the drawers will open, hence the <gasps> state of the desk. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go west. Okay. Um, the study is west, and a narrow passage leads north of the kitchen. A, the door to the east sticks out like a sore thumb. It leads to the office. The noise might have come from the study. Let's go west. Uh, foyer is north. The dining room is east. You hear the stairs creak. There's someone <gasps> in the house. Uh, north? All right. Uh, wide portals lead north to the parlor and south to the study. The front door to the west is closed. And, of course, the stairs are here. Um... Well, I'm going to be completely out of what I would normally do, which was not even care about my keys and just leave. But let's go hunt this person down. Let's go up. Okay. Uh, landing. The stairs curl up and down from this landing. 
there's an end table with the daguerreotype. Daguerreotype. Um, I heard the stairs creak, right? Yeah. Yeah, so let's go up. Okay. Hallway. Uh, the master bedroom is north. Children's bedroom is west. Servant's bedroom is south. A velvet rope blocks off a, nor- a nook to the south, to the northeast. Let's just start searching. Um, let's go back to the master north. Okay. Uh, you got the uh, bed and the vanity and the fainting couch. And gauze-veiled exam- windows. Let's examine the bed. The bed is built to be as high as possible, and the pillows are arranged to keep Mr. and Mrs. Whittingdean's head elevated, as this was believed to prevent pneumonia. From the looks of other beds in the house, this concern did not extend to Mr. and Whittingdean's servants or their children. Hmm. Look under the bed. You find nothing of interest. Uh, Technically, the sides of the uh, frame of the bed are wood all the way down to the floor, and it should be impossible to look under the bed. Ah, version gotcha. 2, I guess. Uh, so what did you want to do? Let's go back south. I don't think there's anything okay. else in here. Uh, yeah, there's the children's bedroom and the servant's bedroom and the nook. Um, let's go back to the servant's. Okay. A narrow stairway leads down. The rest of the bedrooms are north. The windowless room goes blight, bright white. And the explosion of thunder rocks the house. Darkness. It is pitch dark, and you can't see a thing. Uh-oh. Yep. Mm, I don't think I have anything on me that would help. Can I do? Can I listen? The roof, walls, and windows each drone with their own tones under the incessant raindrops. That was a good sentence. Mm-hmm. Thank Let's you. go north. Can I do that? You Will take a me... cautious step. The lights come back on. <gasps> You're in the servants' quarters. Maybe I need like something in case the power goes out again. Uh, uh, let's go back north. Okay. Uh, you're in the hallway at the top of the stairs. Uh, down to the kitchen? Down. Uh. Or no, that's not the kitchen. The oh, down yeah, you're at the landing the s- now. Uh, let's go back to the servants' quarters. Sorry, something happened. Oh, okay. Uh, someone's at the bottom of the stairway. She's wearing your jacket. She hurries down the last few steps and disappears. Uh, okay, down. Down, okay. You're in the foyer. There's no sign of anyone. Uh-oh. Shout, hey, get back here with my jacket. Hey, get back <laughs> here with my jacket. Uh, to yourself, there is no reply. <laughs> Rats. I always reply to myself. Uh, let's go. Let's just see if she ran north. North. Uh, you're in the parlor. Looks like yeah. there's nobody here. Okay, south. South. Uh, south. A oh. thunderclap shakes the house, or just your rib cage. 
you said south? Yeah. South. Uh, the foyer is north. The dining room is east. Okay, east? East. Um, the study is west, and the narrow passage leads north to the kitchen. The door to the east sticks out like a thor- sore thumb. It leads to the office. Someone is banging on the window. Your face appears, hair tangled by rain, eyes wide and bloodshot. Your words are muffled by the glass, and though you look back and forth desperately across the room, you can't see anyone inside. The face is gone. So I was looking through the window outside? Your face was looking from from outside. From the outside to the inside. Yeah. Huh. Is that future me? Maybe that's future me. Well, let's go east to the office. Okay. Uh, it's the same and as before. Can we go open the door? I think the door is still open. Oh, still open. Okay. Because I live in a barn. Can, you, <laughs> can I go east? Let's go east. Um, sorry. As you pass through the door, a spray of rain flies in and you reflexively jump back. Mm. You're not supposed to let anything happen to this dress, and wearing it out in this downpour would ruin it. Mm. And I'm pretty sure she's not about to just run out there in the nude. I don't know. Let's let's go back west. Okay. Mm let's look out the window. Uh, it's really coming down. The rain. The rain. You know, I don't think rainy mood's stormy enough for this game. Uh, no. no, I would ideally like to have a version of rainy mood that reacts to what's going on in the game. And when I say bolt of lightning, there's a thunderclap. Nice. You should get right on that programming. Yeah. Okay. No problem in Inform 7. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, let's, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm just chasing her around this house. Let's go north to the kitchen. Okay. Here we are in the kitchen. Uh, there is a floor, a stove, a pie cabinet, a table, a window, a passage, a staircase. Let's open the cabinet. Maybe there's candles or something. You open the rustic pie cabinet. I can't remember whether there's something in this pie cabinet. (laughs) Examine the cabinet. Uh, Oh, the description is, The panels of of the cabinet doors are tin, punched with dozens of holes in intricate patterns. The holes are punched outward, which supposedly prevents ants from getting at the pies. But we didn't have to search it to see what's inside. Uh, the rustic pie cabinet is empty. Oh no! You catch Can a glimpse. You catch a glimpse of the woman with your face in your clothes dashing frantically past the window. She's running around outside, but I can't go outside. Can I knock on the window? You knock sharply on the window, and the sound is loud enough that someone outside just might hear over the storm, but nobody responds. I'm impressed. Um, I'm impressed too. Okay. Jenny, help me out here. Um, 
Well, so, I mean, we could we could try taking the dress off. Okay, let's just do that. Okay. Remove dress. Extracting yourself from the dress is a taxing process, and as you carefully disrobe, you wonder what Lillian Woodingdean thought of spending every day of the week straight-jacketed in such things, not to mention her Gordian knot of Victorian underthings. But she wouldn't have thought about it. She didn't know how bizarre and degrading it was to be treated to treat herself like a doll. Your own underwear is practical and uninteresting. So you did get out of your dress. Yep. So if okay. I examine me now, uh, you are Whittingdean House Hostess Karen Chambers. Right now you are standing around in your underwear. See, I just kind of assumed that that just wouldn't work. Silly me. Of course you can take off your clothes. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt weird about it. A lot of people Understandably feel weird so. about getting undressed <laughs> at work. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go south. Okay. Let's go east. East. And let's go out into that cold, cold rain with no protection. You step toward the door, but you stop yourself. You're still carrying the dress. Oh, drop the dress. Okay. Or put a hang, or put dress in locker. It's a pleasure to be playing with you, Buster Hudson. (laughs) I mean, I got to do things right. Yeah. You put the red dress into the locker. Great. Let's go east. Okay. You cast a glance outside. Nobody's out there to see you. You leap out of the door. The rain slams into your skin. Back entrance. The brickwork around the back door doesn't quite match the rest of the house. It's obviously a later addition, but visitors aren't supposed to be looking around back here anyway. The staff parking lot is south. A tiny hill rises to the north. The back door to the west is open. The door slams shut. (gasps) Um, let's go south. Okay. Staff parking. The staff parking lot, quote unquote, is actually an unpaved driveway now swamped with rain. Your sad little car is surrounded by three feet of mud in all directions. The staff entrance is north. The Whittingdean Gardens are around the house to the west. Uh, let's go west to the gardens. Okay. Garden. The flower beds are flooded, blossoms whipped around by wind and pounded by rain. The white trellis, secured to the low roof of the house's south wing, stands firm in the storm, but the clematis clings to it with waning strength. The overlook is west from here, and the staff driveway is east. Through the house's south windows, you can make out the dim shapes of the Whittingdean's dining room. You notice movement inside. Yourself, strolling through the room, adjusting the furniture. I am very difficult to catch. A tricksy, tricksy lady. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go... Or can I knock on the window? Let's knock on the window. You bang on the window, scanning the room for any sign of life, calling out for help, but nobody comes. Nobody can hear you. Oh. Let's go west. Overlook. Ransom Whittingdean set the foundations for his house on the top of a steep hill with a view of the open prairie and the small frontier settlement by the river. By the time the house was built, the settlement had quadrupled in size. By the time Ransom passed away, it had become a bustling town. Now there is no prairie, 
and there is no view of the river between the buildings and the highways. The city itself is nearly invisible in the storm. Ransom Whittingdean's study is visible through the windows in the southwest corner of the house. To the north is the porch. To the east is the garden. Um, let's go north to the porch. Okay, porch. Though by no means unimpressive, the house se somehow seems smaller from the outside. An overhang above the front door, supported by fluted columns, does little to protect the entrance from the pouring rain. The visitor parking lot is north. Across the south grass to the south is a scenic overlook. The front door to the east is closed. Let's go north. Alright. Visitor parking. The asphalt glistens in the dull light, and here and there are puddles pounded by raindrops. There are no cars parked here. Across the street, extending to the north and west, is an abandoned schoolyard, choked with drowning weeds. The main entrance to the building is south, and the way around to the back is east. A plaque, mounted, a plaque is mounted on the red brick wall between the parlor's west windows. A red plaque. Okay. The name Ransom Whittingdean Museum House is printed in bright white letters, and the museum hours are below, painted over in places where the schedule has been adjusted over the years. Um, let's go east. Okay. Lawn. You stand on the wet grass outside the parlor's north windows. High above are the windows of the master bedroom. To the west is the visitor parking lot. A small hill is east. Ah, this loop ends. Let's go east. Okay, a hillock. Uh, the northeast corner is one of the house's less impressive angles, but standing on this grassy mound is the only way to get a good look at the cupola from so close to the building. The visitor parking lot is west and the staff entrance is south. The kitchen's tiny window is set into the building's east wall. Um, let's go south. Okay. Back and then, entrance. yep, let's go uh, back into the office, so back inside east. The uh, oh, first opening the back door. It or seems west, to be yeah. locked. <gasps> That's right. Lightning strikes uh, behind you. Ah, but the thunder doesn't come. Mm, okay, let's go back south. South. Okay. Uh, let's try opening my car. Open car. The key is in your jacket pocket. Yeah, I don't know if she left it unlocked. Okay, uh, let's go west. West? You're in the garden? And oh, then hold west. on. Oh. You're inside, looking out the window at the storm, pulling your jacket close to your body. Then you walk into the next room. Oh, also, lightning strikes on the other side of the house, and for an instant you can make out the silhouette of the cupola on the roof above the trellis. Uh, let's go west. Okay, sorry. There. Now uh, you're at the wait. overlook. Wait, this, so the, the trellis was back... There's a trellis by the dining room? Uh, yeah. Can you climb the trellis? Can I go back? Let's see. Okay, climb trellis. Trellis. You can't climb the trellis with your hands full. What's inventory? You are carrying an empty perfume bottle and wearing nothing. Ah, the perfume bottle. Drop that perfume bottle. Okay. You set down the empty perfume bottle. You struggle to keep your hair and the rain out of your eyes. Uh, climb trellis. Okay. You grab onto the trellis as tightly as you can. Roof. The wind is rougher up here. 
The roof of the south wing is set at a steep slant, and it's hard to keep your foot- footing on the slick shingles. To the north is a brick wall, atop which is the roof of the main building and the cupola. Rain spills down and into a rickety drain pipe. Huh. Uh, can I go... Which way would be the cupola from here? Um, I guess up to the higher part of the roof. Yeah, so let's go up. Okay. You tug tentatively on the drain pipe. It seems to hold. You wedge a foot between the wall and the pipe. You reach for the cold metal. You heave yourself upward. Rooftop. Sadistic winds pull at your wet hair, yanking it over your eyes and around your neck. Even crawling against the shingles, clinging with hands and feet, you feel yourself an inch away from sliding off the wet roof. The cupola and its arched our apertures are just within reach. As you push off from the drain pipe, it falls to the roof below, rolling noisily off of the edge and into the garden. A curtain of rain comes out of nowhere, rushing toward you like a bus. That was a close call. Let's... So I can go down? Down. There's no safe way down. Oh. Uh... Is it in? Into the cupola, you mean? Yeah. Okay, let's try in. Yeah. You reach for the narrow arches, dragging yourself forward and squeezing inside. Cupola. The intended purpose of the cupola is unknown. The story everyone wants to hear is that it was originally a turret for shooting Indians. Viewed from outside, it's easy to believe that it serves solely as an architectural grace note. From inside, it's a small, dark, wet space barely shielded from the sky. Flecks of rain ricochet in through the tiny arches on all sides, affording a panoramic but cramped view of dark clouds and bolts of lightning. (laughs) That's like a description of every camping trip I've ever been on. (laughs) It's It's always rainy and I'm always in a wet, tiny tent enclosed, but not quite keeping all the water out. Oh, that sounds awful. Why did you you continue to go camping after the first time? I don't know. I feel like I only went a few times when I was a kid. Going camping once is a mistake. Going camping (laughs) twice is a... I'll figure it out. A character flaw? Yeah. Is diagnosable. My parents had had ideas about what I needed to be involved in. So very often it was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm doing that. <laughs> You're getting in this canoe. It'll make you well-rounded. Oh, I had the worst canoe trip. Really? Yeah, it was the Delaware River, and I guess it was a really droughty year, or the river was really low, and we ended up carrying our canoe. Like There was literally two inches of water, and we're like, this is great. <laughs> and we're carrying it and walking around. I'm like, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so can I go down from here? Uh, down, yeah, there's a trap door, doesn't it Yeah, so do I have to open the trap door first? I guess. This is what I've been, like, anxiously, like, okay, now I'm at the trap door. No, okay, now I'm at the trap, no. Open door. Not yet. Not yet. That's what it says, not yet. It says not yet? (laughs) Yeah, classic Clash of the Typins. It says, not yet. Wait. Time passes. Open trap door. 
You will be allowed to open the door shortly. Please be patient. Something tingles at the back of your neck. You duck to the damp floor, flinging your hands over your head, screwing your eyes shut, and you can still see it white and hot right in front of you. The thunder is immediate and deafening, but it sounds for only an instant, and then the rain starts again, and the storm continues on as it had before. You may open the trapdoor now. What's going on? (laughs) It's like a Black Mirror episode or something. Um, Let's open the trapdoor. Okay. You open the trapdoor. Down. You descend the curving iron staircase. Nook. An iron staircase leads up to the trapdoor in the cupola, as does a ladder built into the wall, a later addition. The second floor hallway is to the southwest. It might be prudent to close that trapdoor behind you. Close the trapdoor. You close the trapdoor. Southwest. You stand at the top of the stairs. You cannot descend until you are dressed. The master bedroom is north. The nursery is west. North. The room is dim, lit only by the cozy glow of the storm. A path between the fainting couch and the bed leads directly... It doesn't say directly. Leads to the dressing table from the hall to the south. On the bed is a green dress. Take dress. Okay. The gorgeous thing rises gracefully out of the bed and into your hands. Wear dress. Wear dress. I'm afraid you'll find that no concessions have been made to modern convenience. This dress was sewn in an era that esteemed patience over expedience and elegance over comfort. It seems to me that today's society holds dear the same series of values, but that with the passing of decades, their order of preference has been revised. And now, at long last, you are wearing the dress. South. You stand at the top of the stairs. The master bedroom is north. The nursery is west. Down. Down. The first step creaks wearily beneath you. This is to be expected in a house built more than a century ago. It doesn't take that long. The world of 30 years ago is now outmoded. The world of 60 years ago is now barbaric. Each generation clears the way for the next on a trail forged by the last, and each pays its forebears the same homage. How could they have been so... Landing. Between flights of stairs, a small balcony overlooks the foyer, so that the green shape of your dress may be framed on all sides by glorious red. On the end table is a daguerreotype of Mr. Whittingdean. A woman stands at the bottom of the stairs. Examine woman. I am not as charmingly dressed as yourself, and in fact I may be dripping a bit on the carpet. Please forgive me. Um, talk to woman? I would appreciate your descending the stairs first to meet me face to face. Down. You step down the stairs, and they emit not so much as a whisper beneath you. I see that you are already acclimating to your circumstances. You have very much left to learn, though, and much to become accustomed to. An infinity of lonely nights, but loneliness loses its sting in time. The days, though, and the people gawking, muttering in disbelief at your quaintness, that you may never get used to. And I have my own work to do. First I must drive myself home. Where are my keys? Ah, here we go. They are in my jacket pocket. 
Would you like to restart, restore a saved game, or quit? I lost. I'm afraid there's only one ending. <gasps> I won. And Wait. So... The ghost took my place? Uh, yeah. Uh, Lillian Whittingdean has assumed Karen Chambers' identity. And uh, at the end of the game, uh, you are Lillian Whittingdean. And she's Karen Chambers. That's kind of creepy. Yep. She's pretty... I mean, she was pretty observant to be able to watch over time and then say, yeah, I can drive this car, no problem. Well, that hasn't been proven yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ransom Winning Dean 2 is just a ghost lady driving a car into a tree. <laughs> Wait, so if she's a ghost and she crashes and dies... Then it's Karen Chambers who dies, I guess. Huh. There's some pretty thorny issues of identity baked in here. Uh, because it would be very easy to say that... Um, or, like, under normal circumstances, if uh, me and Jenny switched places such that mm -hmm. I was Jenny with all Jenny's memories and personality and she was me with all my memories and personality... Um, we wouldn't notice. We wouldn't notice. Um, and it's interesting that um, the... Or it's, like, critical, I think, to this story that the um, the convention of the parser and the narrator talking to you and you representing the same identity, um, even though that identity switches around, allows the game to make sense where... Uh, under other circumstances, um, if it, I mean, assuming that it does make sense, under other circumstances, it might not. I thought about this a lot. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm still caught up on if we switched places, but had all of our, you know, you took all the other person's memories and experiences, then you wouldn't notice. Yeah. We could be like switching places all the time. Yeah. And just never know. Well, and, you know, that. I think that the argument is that that kind of switching places, quote-unquote, just doesn't make sense as an idea. Um, because there's no... It isn't a thing happening to the universe. All the facts of the universe are the same as if you hadn't, quote-unquote, switched places. Of course, uh. that's not exactly what happens, because the character in this game remembers being Karen Chambers a second ago. And now it is a ghost of Lillian Whittingdean, and the uh, ghost of Lillian Whittingdean character remembers being a ghost, and she's now an alive lady. So it's not exactly yeah. the problem we have here. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. But these Chambers ladies can't catch a break. They really can't. No. Although I think I'd rather be in the museum house than in the horrible pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I were to be trapped horrible. somewhere forever, I'd be uh -huh. like, well, at least there's a vanity and a fake perfume bottle. Yep, I got windows I can look out of. I yeah. can go up to the cupola. I could go to the cupola. 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 So this is based on a real house, right? Uh, right? Yeah, this is based on the uh, Rensselaer Russell House in Waterloo, Iowa. 
Um, the layout is basically identical, although I actually... I, it amused me to write it without um, going back there to visit and to base it on my memories of touring this house over and over again. Um, Were you a tour guide or did you just go a bunch of times? I just went a bunch of times. And the t- tour guides do wear period dresses, but uh, I never was in charge. I feel, though, that I could give basically the same tour. <laughs> uh, they really do have a uh, piece of art made out of human hair. Um, what else? I did um, a lot of research into the family, the R- Rensselaer Russell and his family, and most of it is the same as what's described in this game. Uh, they had a daughter who uh, drowned at like the age of six. She fell in a well or something. Oh no. Um, And then they had another daughter who went to music school in Chicago. Um, And the lady of the house was a ghost who resented being uh, the subject of tours. Resentful ghosts are always the worst kind of ghosts. (laughs) Yeah, they're really common too. Yeah. So someone that I work with, sort of, he works in a different office, but he lives in a a more rural area of Maryland where I am um, and actually owns a house that um, was like a super old house and Mm -hmm. was actually used as like a a hospital during the Civil War just to like a makeshift like, yeah. So, and then he's telling a story about how there's totally a ghost in his house and you know, ghosts, I'm always kind of like, eh, ghosts, you know, people say things and see things I've never seen or, you know, um, had any kind of paranormal experiences myself. But he says that there's this blonde lady ghost. Um, and then he has a young daughter and I think his wife was on the phone with, uh, an aunt or someone or like the wife's sister. Um, and they had was just telling her over the phone I'm expecting and but she didn't hear the daughter didn't hear what was going on in the conversation um so she comes into the room and they're like oh that was your aunt and she's like oh did she tell you about the new baby and the mom was like how do you know about the new baby and she's like oh the woman in my room told me (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and it was like oh like that's a true story like from somebody that i know in my office so that's terrifying yeah i don't know how to explain away that one and then he says that he saw her too where he was um for last or a few christmases ago he was trying to get all these christmas boxes out of the attic and he came down the stairs and thought he saw he saw a woman out of the corner of his eye and thought it was his wife so he's like can you help me these boxes are really heavy and she never came over so he's like carrying them down he puts them down (laughs) and he goes back upstairs and she's not there and he's like oh she went somewhere else and then he's like yelling at her like oh you didn't help me with the boxes and she's like i wasn't even here what are you talking about and that's when he knew that he saw the ghost or he saw his wife blowing him off (laughs) or yeah she was just made up the ghost (laughs) But yeah, yeah, so ghost stories kind of creep me out a little bit. I'm sorry cuz now so I want to I want to see the relationship where um the 
the wife actually does use that excuse all the time. <laughs> she just she can't stand her husband sometimes, so whenever he's bugging her, she just ignores him and walks away. And then when she cools down and feels better, she's like, "Hi, sorry, I just got back from the nail salon." And he's like, "But I told you <laughs> the, the, so the thing." And he, she says, "Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't here at all." <laughs> I was going to say the would... nail salon, Ryan. Of course, this lady needs to take good care of her nails. Do we want to play another game, Jenny? Oh yeah, do we have another game? I can play another game. I think uh, that we're I have kind play. of a short one. Uh, let's do that, but that would be perfect. But let's end the call. Okay. And then call we each take other a back. Break. Oh yeah, let's take a break. Sure. I just want to have yeah. two different Do we want files. to say thank you to the listeners, or we should? Oh, yeah, it's I mean, be two episodes probably. I guess they've, they've made it this far. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, listeners. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, thank listeners. You, thank you, Ryan, for writing a game. Thank you, Jenny, for saying thank you to me. Yeah, thank you, thank Buster. Thank you, Ryan, for... for... Thank oh, you, I, Buster, I... for finishing that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Double Thank, thank you thank for you. having me on the podcast. Hey, you know what, guys? And I'm what? talking what? to the listeners now. Hey, what? listeners. Uh, if you like this podcast... Follow us on Twitter at type underscore ins. Um, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clash of the type ins. Um, tell your friends. Review us. Uh, you don't have to review us on iTunes. Who pays attention to iTunes reviews? I ask you. Um, and uh, This is the Halloween episode. Oh, this is a Halloween episode. Ooh. So get the zine. Oh, the, the Halloween zine. zine. Yeah, yes. hopefully yeah. I release this before it's actually Halloween. So go to rcveter.net slash zine. That's Z-E-E-N. Rhymes with Halloween. And download the Halloween zine. Theremin. Okay, I'm going to take a break. Let's all take a break. Good night, Yay. listeners. Good night, listeners. Ooh. Good night, listeners. Oh! Ah! Are we hanging out now? Yeah.